Hello, hello, gentle listeners. Once again, it's Andy, uh, the ever-present half of the Stardub podcast. Uh, as you know, it's been a it's a strange journey over the last sort of couple of months. Uh, we're unfortunately one of our uh, one of our team left us and totally wasn't buried in a patio at the back garden at all in any way, shape, or form. And so we've had a whole array of stunt ralphs uh, over the time. And I've actually, in a rare appearance, making his second consecutive appearance, I've brought back one of the Stunt Ralphs. So, Stunt Ralph, introduce yourself. Hello, I'm Phil. That's right, Philip Ayers is back. That can only mean there's something horrible going to happen to somebody on the podcast. Now I'm, reliably inf- <laughs> now, I'm reliably informed it's not me. So, that must mean that there must be someone else joining us for this podcast. Who's Who- who can it be? You've redecorated, I don't like it. What have you done? I, I, I disappeared for a small period of time on a journey to outer space uh, to see some people and I come by and you've redecorated, I don't, I don't approve. This new desktop theme. Uh, Coral. Oh, uh, it's Ralph. Hello everyone, I'm happy to be back. I'm delighted. Hello, ha- hello Phil. I'm delighted to be here. I'm ecstatic, in fact. I'm full of joy, because I'm told there's a box. There is. Now, I remember there being a, an on-running theme um, back when I used to be a regular on this podcast. I'm now having a camera pointed at me, which makes for perfect audio. Um, the, the Phil would deliver items of joy, as he is, tr- as he is a true friend to the podcast. I'm a true friend. Yes, and these items would often bring pain, such as uh, Spawn the Movie... Uh, triumphant comics and other exciting items of of you know entertainment. So I, I'm looking over here and I'm seeing a big brown box. Yeah, for the purposes of audio, can you hear? Can you hear the big brown box? I can hear the box. You can hear the box. It's now been handed to me. It's it's quite it's quite heavy. Um, it's got something something plasticky possibly. Moving around inside. There are no clues. Merely an odyssey of adventure and mystery. Something rattling. Um, Is so it your nerve? <laughs> no, my nerves are fine. Uh, you Can know. I point out I've sent three parcels this week. Oh. And two of them have been received with absolute joy by the recipients. I'm sure they were received with absolute joy. Now, my day's been not too bad so far. Um, I, I was in a, a cafe, Le Café Gourmand. Uh, that's the French pronunciation. Earlier today, I had a, I had a Nutella milkshake. I didn't know you could get a Nutella milkshake. It was very nice, very pleasant. Uh, it was in a nice receptacle. Uh, I also had a, a crepe, which was cinnamon and sugar. Quite nice. That, that's pancake. It wasn't Ouija for toilet, by the way. Yeah, Just yeah that, that's fine. Um, You've beaten me to the licorice all sorts, Joe. <laughs> there you go. There's also been some, some disappointment. I did, um, while waiting for Mr Turnbull for this exciting podcast event, um, uh, did frequent a local drinking establishment and had a pint of a beverage which I chose based on the name it was called Doom Bar um, I thought that, that looks exciting Doom Bar uh, it was awful it was really awful um, so because it sounded like Doom Bar didn't you? it did sound a bit like Doom Bar in my head it even came in a glass that said Doom Bar on it. It, it, it wasn't very nice it was an hour to drink the thing it was horrible um, so I hope that wasn't something a portent of what's in here because I've got games of joy when I talk about in this podcast. You might very well think that we couldn't possibly comment. Okay. So, I now have the scissors of justice. I would take... Be very careful. Don't stick scissors too far in the top. I never stick things too far in the top. That's how you get diseases. 
So I'm, I'm just I'm just inserting it into the the, open, the the sellotape on the top here, making an incision. Yes, talking about still using scissors, by the way. I am filming this just to the, prove it. The way that a dentist would make an incision into a cavity, which is a, a ripe metaphor, because I suspect that the, I may require root canal treatment of the mind after I see what's in you. Because I know it wouldn't be nice. I know it wouldn't be good. I know it's going to be some 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 item that I have to watch or listen to that's going to be utterly terrible. One would think that you thought that we would do something bad for your triumphant homecoming to the start of the I'm just saying there's a... There's a formula to follow here. It'd be like Doctor Doom, and Doctor Doom's on my mind right now because of the disappointing Doom bar thing that I had. Yeah, it's like Doctor Doom saying, "Oh, I won't attack the Fantastic Four anymore. I won't shake my fist and shit." Richards, Richards. No, I think I'll go and grow flowers, and I'll give the flowers away to um, small dwarfs, which are smaller than regular dwarfs. I'm glad you, you, you clarified. <laughs> which means that they might want flowers. Um, because of the same size as flowers, and, and having them made up an appropriate joke about people of small stature, I'll continue to, um, to open that. Up. There's DVDs in here. I can see DVDs. I don't know what they are yet, but I can see them. The good thing is, Phil, Phil's told me this parcel, and I keep forgetting bits of it every time, which yeah. means I get to experience joy again. Is it perhaps part of your mind shutting down to protect itself? You mean you're referring to the Ahura fan dance of Star Trek yes, Five? Then. Talking of Ahura fan dancing while well naked on the June, opening the first flap. I oh, opening. Boys, I, you can forget the Ahura fan dance. Now I'm seeing, I have seen some joy here. However, yeah. the first item here is the Legend of Robin Hood. Now, is this the Legend of Robin Hood that stars um, Paul Dano? It is indeed. From Blixen. There he is. Look, it's all good. Well, I've had nothing to fear. That's fine. I like. I've been making a voyage through Blake Seven recently. Okay. The one the last season. I've enjoyed most of it. Paul Darrow is Avon, the A model Avon, the computer scientist chap to lead the rebellion. Well, part of the rebellion against against the evil tyrannical rebellion in the future. Oh, I don't even see it. I don't know what I'm talking about now. Right. I can see another DVD. I can't quite see what it is. I have to remove the flap. Yep. To have a look. <gasps> Uh, again, it's Joy, it's Nicholas and Alexandra. Which well, is. Tom uh, Baker as. Uh, it's got Tom Baker, it's got Michael Jason, yep. the Valyard from Doctor Who, Morris Denham, also from Doctor Who, Ian Holm, Kurt Jurgens. I always liked Kurt Jurgens, it was such a good name. No, it's got Larry Lovett. This is against the run of play, this is quite good. Okay. Now, now next there's a, a magazine of some kind. The, the back of the magazine is, is facing me. Um, it's an advert for Scooby-Doo, but I know it won't be Scooby-Doo. It's, it's a magazine of some kind, so it's hiding the bottom layer. So I'll just, I'll just take the magazine away, so then I can't see what's below it yet. So I can have a look, and there we go. It's, it's Thundercats of Show Living, the, which, which we mentioned before in the podcast. And it's the comicless comic. That's right. Um, uh, the, the recent Thundercats revival uh, spawned a UK comic, uh, which has the unique distinction of lasting for several issues past the point where the comic strip stopped which is perhaps the most unique way a comic has ever been cancelled before. But it comes with a thunder tank. This is all good. There's no fear yet. Oh, again. Look, it's Choi. It's Choi. It's a LEGO Star Wars High Bomber. I'm going to be talking about LEGO later in this podcast, so this is actually relevant. Yeah, yeah. Going to do some packet feeling. Um, no, really packet feeling. It's not you for this one. There's some life. There's another one. This, this, this is fantastic. There's no, no, nothing to fear here at all. We've even got a... Uh, a Lego uh, Jedi Starfighter. We've also got a Lego uh, Moon Buggy Man. You know, but 
There's two rat items at the bottom. <laughs> yeah. I, I believe the instructions are the smaller one to the to your left. To right? my left. Wrapped in a blue <laughs> a blue paper of some kind. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah, how, uh, yeah, are you? Yeah, okay. So, uh, removing the cellar tape, which is always pretty good. Uh, opening the end, so that I can get in, into it. I'm inserting my hands into the package, I'm reaching in deep, I'm pulling out something. Oh, for fuck's sake. Oh, for fuck's sake. Oh, for fuck's sake. Show the camera what you've got, and then tell the, the listeners at home what you've got. Let me ex- this requires some context. Now, a civilian might look at this and you might think, well, that's charming. It's a, it's a Japanese toy of some kind because it's got, well, Japanese writing on it. It's a, it's a battle beast. Battle beast bring joy. It's, it's, a, it's a chap who's um, like a walrus in a spacesuit. <laughs> this is long too. Right. Now, this has been designed to kick me off. This has specifically been inserted to kick me off. This is like a, a code word. You know when, when, when um, spy type chaps, right? And you go and they kidnap someone and you want them to become like a mass murderer to assassinate somebody. So they'll program them with like a, a code word. So when you hear the word um, begonias, that means they need to go and shoot them spell. Or something like that. Yeah. You know, right. So long to. Well, let's, let's explain. Let's explain. Right. Transformers is a comic that I enjoyed as a child. Now, there's good characters from Transformers. It's the, it's the war about the heroic Autobots versus the evil Decepticons. Uh, Optimus Prime is the leader of the good guys. Megatron. They fight, they tussle. And they come up with exciting innovations. New characters come in. You look at the Headmaster. Fuck yeah, fucking Headmasters are brilliant because they're, they're, they're dudes that turn their heads and they join up with a big robot and go pew pew. On an alien planet, but target masters, target masters are fucking growing because the guns turn into dudes and they run away uh, and punch each other and sometimes die because they do. Uh, you've got power masters who turn into engines that power stuff. Then you've got pretenders, and the pretenders are cool because you know some of them are like um, fucking octopus fucking monsters, you know, samurai. Some of them are like samurais. Then there's fucking longtooth, right? Longtooth is an Autobot pretender, and he's fucking shit. Because he, he just looked gummy. He just looks fucking tusks coming out. He goes, at you. It's like, that's not a fucking good disguise of the Transformer. I know. Even the ones that there's, there's, they're called pretenders, right? And they're robots and outer shells and long to one of them. And you go, well, look, even though you've got Autobot ones and they turn out to be giant humanoids, they're giant humanoids in spacesuits. That makes sense to me. Why would you want to look like a fucking shit walrus? No one ever looked at walrus and thought, Oh, I know, that, that might turn into a transformer coming after me. And the little shite, he just fucking moans. He just moans in the comic. Oh, I'm on a spaceship. Oh, Dark Rodimus has been infected by Unicron in the Matrix or whatever. Oh, I'm all teary about it. Or, oh, look, there was the time where I, I got a bit of the Matrix and I got all teary about it. Rubbish. He's shite. There's, there is a maxim that says there's no such thing as a, as a bad character. And that maxim needs to be shoved up someone's arse because it's wrong. There are bad characters and Longtooth is a bad character. I'd just like to interject very briefly to say your big objection there was that he just moans all the time. He's, he's, what, not, he's not even a proper pirate. Can I just point out your objection is he moans all the time. He's, what have you been doing for the last three minutes without breathing? Giving an informative <laughs> discourse. 
Now, he also looks like a shit pirate. I like pirates. Pirates are good. They've got pieces of gold and shit. He's like, no one ever thought, I want a pirate looks like a fucking walrus. So anyway, that's him. Right. There's something else in here. There is. There is. I think I know what it says. I think I know what it says. You're not allowed to say until you open it. Because I can tell from the shape of it. I think. I think I know. I think I know. But I might be wrong. You so could be. I could be. You might be. It may be more, more hellish than before. So, again, I remove the packaging. I insert my hand into the package. Exactly. Oh, no, it is, isn't it? It is. It fucking is. It fucking is. Yes, it fucking is fucking num num. The return of the Jedi. Like num. Oh, no. No. Hell. No. No. Are you still there? Yes, yes, yes. Right. I've explained this in the podcast before when, when, when uh, you maybe call the exciting episode where a uh, friend of the podcast, Mr. J.D., uh, sent a package which had nice things in it and, and it had a, a vintage uh, Niem Num, or Num Nuts as we call them for Eternal Jedi. This is the brand new super articulated version. This, this, means, is the, this is the brand new rare as rocking house. I am aware. I, I know the depths you've went to to get this because you can't get this in shops. I bought that in Asda. Did you buy where? The, Asda. The Asda and Swindon got a case of the internet exclusive by Happy days. Oh yes. Now I understand why you got all excited. See the other day Phil sent a message and he got all excited saying he found something on Asda that he didn't expect to find on a shelf. And I thought, I wonder what that could be. I thought it was like a, a, a Beast Hunter's Transformers toy or something, but no. Now, once again, let's remind ourselves of the hatred of... I've got, I've got three of these fuckers now. Because for my birthday um, last year, uh, somebody got me a loose vintage one, and JD sent me a carded vintage one, and then I've got the internet exclusive one that asked myself. Right. Uh, have, you, have you got the green carded one yet? Let's not give you ideas. Let's leave some things a mystery. Right. That's a no. Let's, let's just explain. Let's just explain. Right. Star Wars. Star Wars. Look, look over there. Right, if you're watching the, the video. That is a Lego Millennium Falcon. Right? The Millennium Falcon is, is one of the, the greatest spaceships in, in any uh, fantasy or science fiction realm. In any format, whether that be books, comics, audio television, film, it just has a certain something to it. And one of the reasons why you like the Millennium Falcon is because Han Solo had the best co-pilot in the universe. He had Chewbacca. Chewbacca was brilliant. Chewbacca... You know, that's how he talked. That's a good way to talk. And when Chewbacca was helping him to pilot the Falcon, you know, they got away you know, from Death Stars and, 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 and Bounty Hunters and, and, and flying things in space. Right, then Return of the Jedi, this pile of shit here, he just looks like a, like a mollusk that's had sex with a jellyfish and then put on a hat from a miner from the 70s. That's what Num Num Nuts looks like. He gets the part of the Millennium Falcon and they, 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 you know, they always gets destroyed, he almost gets the Millennium Falcon destroyed and he knocks off the radar dish so they can't pick up space TV anymore. No, I'm sorry, if Chewbacca had piloted the Millennium Falcon, First of all, you want intelligent conversation out of him. And secondly, you wouldn't have got the radar dish knocked off. He's shite. Look at him. Look at him. It's like if you left a scrotum in the sun and brighten for a hundred years, it would look like him. It's like, also, 
That like it's all right. Do you remember Andy Cap, the comic character Andy Cap? Oh, really? The Andy old Cap? chap, and he had the the bonnet and stuff. The yeah. Flat cap. The flat cap. It's like if if an alien came from space and tried to imitate Andy Cap, he would look like this. But he got it all wrong. Andy Cap was shite as well. And it reminds me of Andy Cap. I don't like. Handicap was one of those things like, oh look, son, I've got your book of handicap strips. You like comics? Oh look, it's a it's a dude in a in a hat who doesn't have do anything interesting at all. So happy days, happy days. I now have a super articulated numb nuts, and he's got a gun, which is good because I can shoot people with it. I can shoot myself with it. Celebrate the Star Wars saga that stays on the back. Celebrate my hairy arch. I like it, presents. How you doing, Phil? Bravo, Mr. Ayers, you surpassed yourself this time. Oh, very pleased, very pleased. You know, I prefer that when you're on the podcast and you just don't talk. <laughs> so that's been my heroic welcome. So, so there were some things that were nice and they'll bring us joy and we'll, we'll enjoy doing them and, and, you know, other things. Thank you very much, I'm very grateful. Thank oh, you. I knew you would be. You're the true friend. I am indeed. Capital T, capital F. Okay. Yes. And I'm holding in my hand the first thing to go in the next box. <laughs> oh, cock. Okay. See, now I know you, that you're no longer the sole focus, but I'm now back in play. And that is worries it, me. Is it something for Andy? No. Oh, God. Is it something for me? It is. Is it something that's genuinely good, or is it a true friend thing? It is a genuinely good thing. Ah, see, there we go. See, it's all good now. Well, I think that brings to the close the, the exciting open-the-box um, segment of the podcast. The, the watchable items, which, uh, remind you, is Paul Darrow in The Legend of Robin Hood and uh, Nicholas and Alexandra. They, they will be watched, possibly for this podcast or a podcast coming very soon. Possibly. Did we mention yes. who played is Rasputin in Nicholas and Alexandra? Would that be Tom Baker? It would be. It would be, yes, yes. So, um, th- these are quite long. <laughs> Uh, so we'll watch them and we'll come back to them uh, probably not in this episode but in a future a future podcast um, so yes so I think we'll uh, we'll say goodbye to Phil for now yeah, we'll, we'll end the uh, visual segment of the, the first startup podcast yes right. so when the audio for this goes up probably very shortly after there'll be the, this video segment of Ralph Ralph's soul crying out in torment bye We'll play some music or something and come back. Il a pu s'en radio hacker, il s'envole sur un fil, il fait pire du pays d'attention, car l'araignée est là. Si parfois la nuit on découvre un mystère, l'araignée survit aussi vite que l'éclair. L'araignée, l'araignée, toujours là pour nous protéger, il apporte ses secours. Il ne veut rien en retour pour lui. La vie est un combat là, et de l'action il y en a, quand l'araignée est là. So we're back, and Ralph's uh, recovered what little remains of his uh, sanity and decorum. Indeed. And so, 
What next? Well, uh, you, you may recall um, that we don't obey a convention when it comes to Easter. Now, um, in terms of when we eat our Easter products. That's true. Uh, so we previously reviewed uh, many in times. January. In January. In <laughs> January, and also last year, for any long-term listeners that might still be alive, uh, we've reviewed uh, Easter eggs. Now, this particular podcast has been recorded on May the 4th. Star Wars Day, please don't make any of the jokes. We've read them all on Twitter, they weren't funny before, they aren't funny now, fuck Especially off. Especially when I did them. So, um, yes, yeah, so, um, so we've, but we've still got some Easter-related stuff that we need to talk about. Now, uh, to preface, every year, every year, we have a quest, haven't we? It's true. Uh, what well, is several the, quests, well, this I, is I, Easter I What is the particular Easter quest that you know I'm thinking it, of? It is to find licensed material for an easter egg that has a mug and in particular we have been looking since Transformers came back with the live action movies Mm -hmm. in a big way thinking I want an easter egg and I want a mug yeah now previously we found a a Transformers uh, easter egg which we we had earlier this year it Uh, it wasn't too bad actually it was a Doctor Who one which was strangely similar in taste yes it was also good but so so in, in easter week itself I had begun to despair and then thanks to B&M Please send us free stuff. Yes. Salvation was found. What have you got in your hand, Andy? I have the Transformers milk chocolate eggs with ceramic mug. Oh, I've got one as well. That's the state I was invited for. Uh, Could you describe the packaging? The packaging is based on the current Transformers Prime cartoon. It has the Transformers logo. It doesn't actually mention Prime, though. Which is, yeah, surprising, actually. uh, It has, on the front cover, it has a bumblebee. Mm-hmm. Uh, that has an aperture to let you see the three of the smaller e- uh, chocolate eggs and to see your Easter egg and also your mug, which would look to be emblazoned predominantly with Optimus Prime, but we'll be able to see more when we break through the scene. Now, looking at, just talking about the mug uh, before we go any further, is, uh, do you think that it's going to be a proper mug or a disappointing Davros-sized mug? It, I think it's going to be a proper mug, however. I think it's going to be somewhere between the Davros and the Iron Man mug. Mm-hmm. I can't see the handle, that's the giveaway. I know, I know, because what we're referencing here, uh, which we've probably discussed before, is um, 2008, Pound Stretcher. The year was 2008, Pound Stretcher. And they sold a Doctor Who Davros mug. Now, Davros was just back in television. No, no, sorry, Dalek. It was a Dalek mug. It was Dalek and Davros. It was a Dalek and Davros, sorry. Yeah. But, but in packaging, it showed Davros yeah. on the front. That's why it always remains the Davros mug. Now, packaging was deceptive. It was purchased with much lean. Opened the package and the mug was tiny. Can barely fit a bollock in it, never mind a decent cup of tea. It's true, I tried. Um, so that's why we're asking about that. So, pray continue. So, you've got one will be on the, on the cover, as I say, and you move around the side, it's got Optimus Prime. Now, it's got uh, just obviously the model shots of uh, the characters, but in the background, it has uh, some of the licensed art, just sort of. Uh, Illustrator rendered line art. Now on the back... It's nice to see some uh, line art, actually. Yeah. Now, on the back, you have some cardboard cutout stuff. You can make a cardboard cutout Optimus Prime, uh, Bulkhead and Bumblebee. No ratchet. Disappointing. Uh, I guess a minor quibble. It's, uh, now, these things are only a, a couple of inches in height. The kind of things that we used... For those of us in the UK, the kind of stuff you used to get in the back of cereal packets yeah. all the time. What is the uh, best before date on this product? Uh, it's the 31st of March 2015. So basically, we can leave these for another two years before eating them. What are they made of? Uh, uh, so uh, who's our maker? It is a Bon Bon Buddies in South Wales. Okay, well, it gives you some, some hints and tips as well. Yeah. About brush your teeth, be active, and eat healthy. 
Uh, I said gives you an Easter pick. What's going to be the eat healthy is that it's got a little picture of an apple. Mm. Uh, I'm not eating a fucking apple. There was that time I bought a number of butty oranges from Sainsbury's purely because they were advertised as Marvel superheroes. And it had an Avengers bag on it. And it had an Avengers bag on it, yeah. How long did it take you to eat those? Quite some time, but I still like them because they were a licensed product. And we're tight Scottish people. Indeed we are. Yep, so that's it. It's quite solid, so we're about to... We're going to go for the top. Yep. Okay, I'm opening the flap. Okay, one swift move, reach in and pull. Oh. Oh. Okay. Okay, in front of this plastic prison, so it's, yep. Yep. It's somewhere in between the Davros mug and mm-hmm. the uh, Iron Man one. I can only get three fingers in the handle. Right. It's always important to judge how many fingers you can get in before you can tell whether something's uh, uh, good. Accommodating. Accommodating, yes. Yep. You, you need to have some room to get so in So the mug has uh, Prime and Bumblebee on it. Mm-hmm. It has Transformers written on it mm-hmm. uh, and some of the line art in the background. It's quite nice, actually. Yeah. Uh, it's quite a colourful mug. It's a reasonable size. I have an imperfection. Do you have an imperfection? Look at that, eh? Oh, do you have an imperfection? No, I do not. Oh, rare video. Oh, what's the imperfection? Over the A, it looks like there's uh, the sort of however they apply the uh, paintwork to it hasn't gone on, so there's like a. Oh, no. Mine's is perfect. You've been debunked, John. I think you'll find mine's, mine's is a rare one of kind variant. Uh, are you going to fill it with some liquid to test it out? Uh, once we've rinsed out the cardboard bits that we <laughs> Yes. But it's got a good way. I like the design. It's got your, you know, your standard it's got your work that you've seen everywhere else. But also, someone's um, traced and well, not traced, but they've done a little drawing. There's a lot of like graphics, like arrows and, and circles to and make it look like and stuff. The lo- uh, it's 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 it's, uh, it's good work. I, yeah. I, I approve, and uh, mine's is better than yours, which is as it should be. I think. I think you'll find mine's is better than yours. I think you'll find the mine's is better than yours. Uh, now, enjoy um, them, okay, very good. Now, um, do you want to go for the big egg or the small eggs? Go for the small egg. Oh, okay, I'll go for the big egg. So you, you open a small egg first and tell us all about it. It's a very small egg. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he's he's it into his mouth. He's having a good, good chew. Uh, moving it around with his tummy and his teeth. Getting it down his gullet. Yeah. How's it going? Mm. It's going all right? You, you look happy. You're not mm. turning red. You good? Yep. How would you describe the flavour? Chocolate. <laughs> it tastes like it tastes like slightly better end of the licensed uh, chocolate fare. Ah, see, okay, right. Well, um, now uh, the the wrapping for them is red, so Autobot red. The big egg has a sort of design upon it. It's got uh, some some lines. I think they're making a design around the equator egg. and some jagged bits. Which, if you like, you can pretend are the teeth of unicorn. And not the teeth of a fisty old man at three in the morning in the back alley, which is mm. never, never anything that Mine you want. Mine has uh, kind of grooves and crop circle type designs in the smaller end. Uh, now, the other Transformers egg, which I previously had, did not have the unicornian design, so this is a unique unique to this, uh, this set. So let's just uh, stick it in my mouth. Oh, oh, mm-hmm. mm. You're right. It reminds me of um, a slightly different other Transformers egg, actually. But it reminds me of the Advent Calendar Mister Man. Yeah. Mm. Which you reviewed previously. Yeah. And enjoy. That's not too bad, actually. Oh, no. Oh, good. So, would you recommend this? I would. However, the quest to find this was, uh, well, 
Well, anyone trying to find one this year was fucking unlucky, and I don't see it being out again next year, no. given how scarce it was. So, I think we might just be the only two people in the world to own. Which makes your variant even more more, rare. more valuable. It's true. I think you should get Simon Furman to sign it. It's true. I mean, yeah. But then, but how would I need to get something that wouldn't wash off on? Exactly. Yeah, you'd have to do some research into a proper pen, and I'm sure people don't ask him to sign their mugs for them that aren't their faces. But then, see what I did there? I did. That's why I didn't laugh. It wasn't funny. I think your earlier experience is, is still there. Troubled you? You've missed me on this podcast. So yeah, if if. Uh, <laughs> Well, the day on these is 2015, so there is a chance that some of them may recur next year. Either that, or it means that they're not making any new ones until <laughs> 2015. Yeah, so, um, yeah, if you find one next year... Um, get it. Get it, yes. Well worth the price. So, now with that in mind, uh, we've, we've had a little bit of food now, so mm-hmm. we're going to relax for a little bit. And we're actually going to uh, watch one of uh, Ralph's items of joy. Yes, but we're going to do that... At the tail end of the podcast, Andy, because you forgot after delivered a masterclass first. Oh yes, yes. Do you want me to film this? No, <laughs> no. This is purely an audio experience. Well, you can film it if you like. I don't. I don't care. Um, okay. You hear that noise? You hear it? Can you hear it? Can you hear it? Yeah. I'm not good. filming this. Ralph has a rape face. That's, that's good <laughs> stuff, right? Now. Um, this relates again to the Box of Joy because some of the rather pleasant things in it which I've completely forgotten that Phil picked up for me and I, I imagine I'll have to pay him at some point um, yeah, 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 funny um, is some Lego items now um, I, I quite like Lego and I used to be well I still am a Transformers fan but I used to be much more heavily into the toys and due to various moves over the years and things um, I've given most of them away actually I still have quite a healthy amount but I gave most of them away and then I thought I've got all this space now what will I do with it fill it with Lego so anyway so one of the things that helped get me um, into this addiction are the blind bagged packs of minifigures that many of you may be familiar with you see them at supermarkets as well as toy shops um, so civilians are exposed to them as well now as we record the series 10 uh, of the minifigures has just appeared in shops I initially tried to buy them in Sainsbury's. So, that, that's right. You did hear Ralph say the words try to buy. It is correct. Tell, I, I, tell I, the people what happened. I, I went to Sainsbury's and uh, I was all excited. I went in to buy, you know, Fred. Were you, vis- were you visibly excited? Could that explain why? <laughs> I wasn't. <laughs> no. No. no there, there were no erections. Um, so, yes. So, I, I was, I'd heard that they started to appear in the UK. And I saw the box on the shelf, and I was all excited. And I thought, I'm a wee bit skint just now, because uh, I've bought a Lego train. <laughs> and what else? doesn't matter. Um, I, I, bought, I bought a Lego train that I shouldn't have bought, because I got my budget completely wrong. Anyway, so I thought, no more Lego just now, I need to pay my bills. But I thought, Series 10, many figures on the shelf, I'll buy a couple. Four quid, I, I can afford that, four quid. So I, I did some packet feeling, which I'm going to discuss shortly, and I picked out two that I thought would be the winners. Went, went to pay for them along with my you know, food and milk and you know non important things like that and uh, the chap took them off me and said we're refusing to sell these to you and I said what? and he shook his head and went no and pointed his finger at me so I, I don't know why but he refused to sell them to me but eventually John Lewis came to the rescue and I got two now 
What I'm going to do here is I'm going to educate the, the listener in the art of packet feeling for blind bag figures. Now, this, can, this applies specifically to Lego, but it could apply to other uh, small items that you like to buy. Um, Creo minifigures, uh, mega box, um, those kind of things. So, what the, what the, what the young lady does is they just pick these things up and hope <laughs> you're wrong. Now, and if, it, if it's your first purchase of the wave, your guides are the pictures on the front. Now, for Lego, you've got the individual minifigure, but they've all got a, a piece which is unique to that figure. Uh, something that identifies them. So we look in the figures here, we see things like um, the Hydra, we see things like a clown. So what the experienced person does initially is he will buy one figure and you'll get the, the helpful leaflet. Now here's a leaflet from uh, the previous series, which was series 9. And this is the method that we usually use. On one side of, of uh, the leaflet we have the tick chart, the tick chart which shows all the figures in the wave, usually 16. And as you collect them, you can tick them off. And I've got one on my desk at work, and I like to tick it off and be marked for it. But there you go, I tick it off. Right? Tick, tick. It's quite calming to tick, isn't it? You know? uh, but what's more helpful is the other side of the leaflet, where it shows all the all the, the unique parts of the figure. So it'll show you, for instance, for this way, a, a New York police helmet, the helmet of a, of a, a knight, um, the, the, the chicken suit, part there and it'll show things like you know there's a bowl that comes with one, there's a bottle that comes with one, there's a plunger. So what you do is you study this very carefully and you think right okay so the plumber for instance they will have the plunger and so instead of trying to feel for all the bits you pick a, a piece and you feel for that piece that's what you do. Now unfortunately for series 10 they made it more difficult Annie. How could they make it more difficult? Well what they've done is they've taken away the back of the sheet which tells me the parts and instead I've got an advert from Mr Gold. Mr Gold is a rare figure, there's 5,000 worldwide. So this time I didn't have, so even though I've picked up a few of these, I don't have my usual chart to help. So what I've done instead is, is I've looked at them and I've thought, the Hydra, well what we look for is, what you can't quite see because it was on the box Annie, is that the bottom of the Hydra is a kind of flat piece. So we feel for this, we feel for this in the shop, which I did earlier. And I fell for it, and I think what this piece is here is, I think that's the base of the Hydra. And I think that this piece over here, right, I think that's the head of the Hydra. So it's all the <laughs> So what we're going to do is, we're going to see if, if I've felt this packet correctly. It's not been a good day for you yet. Well, I'm just trying to show you, I'm trying to show you how you can spend less money in buying Lego minifigures by getting all these duplicates, and you can make sure that you get the figures that you want. And look... We open the packet, you can see that this was sealed, it was not open previously. Oh, oh you jammy dodger! I was correct, it is indeed the Hydra, and I did so by feeling correctly for the right parts. Are you impressed? Yes, but not as impressed and entertained as I would be, had I been able to see you do it. Because Ralph gets a... Basically, Ralph looks like a, like a Ronin, when he's feeling. He has that, that stare, you know the one that you've seen people, people give, when he looks into the distance as he's doing his packet field. And he's not looking at anyone in particular. If you happen to walk past his eye line, guarantee you, you will feel uncomfortable. There was actually a chap in a red jacket who gave me a dirty look when I was filling up the packets today. I will admit. So again, we can now take out the leaflet and I can now prove to Andy that for series 10, we do indeed not have the other side, which tells me the individual pieces. So you're even more impressed now. So what's the point of Mr Gold? The point of Mr Gold is he's rare. 
You can eBay him, basically. Yes, he's gone for about 300 quid right now. So, I'm trying to find Mr. Gold, because I'd like a holiday. So, we have one more figure. Now, the other one I was feeling for, which is, is more, is, which you can now see the leaflet, this will help you to be astonished by my goodness, is I thought I'd go for Captain Birdseye. Now, other people would look at the figure then, they would say he's a nautical and sea captain type chap comes a seagull. But for those of us of a certain age, uh, we always associate such characters with Captain Birdseye, um, who, uh, who would um, invite... Or Philip Mackay from Frank Yeah, he would invite kids on his boat uh, to um, go to his cabin to have fish fingers. This is another week to do, do talking yeah. about things no, no, like no, that. No, 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 completely innocent. There's no, there's no, there's, there's no debate here, whatever. It was, they were charming adverts that aimed at kids, and they worked, because they got you to come in. So to this day, as an adult, I will so sometimes by Captain Birdseye fish fingers over other fish fingers because nostalgia for the advert. So I did, Andy. Right. As I thought, I looked at that and I thought, you feel for the bird. But the problem with the bird is, is now, he's got two wings and a base. I felt and I felt and I thought, that could be the bird. However, it's a bit jangling. A bit jangling. It could be misconstrued for the Hydra here. So then what we have to do is we have to feel for his hat. So I felt and I felt and I think I've got his hat. So I'm hoping that this is Captain Birdseye. Um, so we get the scissors and we find out has Ralph been correct again in his mysterious packet feeling powers or has he been led astray? Let's find out. Let's uh, first of all take the leaflet out there. We tip into the hand. This is how you do it. Tip. Ho ho! Once again the packet feeler does it! Look at this. You've been more impressed. That's twice I've done it for you. Twice live on a podcast. I've proven to you that packet feeling is the way forward for the figures that you want. Unless it's Mr. Gold. Actually, I know what to feel for for Mr. Gold because he has a cane and a top hat. However, that also is still difficult because he's uh, bagged up a finna. Basically, I'll never find a Mr. Gold. And if I do, <laughs> usually I give things away, but I'd like a holiday. So there we go. So he's got his binoculars and stuff there. So basically, kids, there's no need to buy 20 or 30 min- uh, Lego minifigures or Halo minifigures or whatever it is you want to get the figures you want. Just follow these simple guidelines. You'll spend less money, you'll be happier in life, and you'll get what you want. That concludes the Lego Masterclass. Indeed. So you can now introduce our final item. True, so we're going to uh, retire briefly to watch uh, an episode of Robin Hood, Mm -hmm. and come back to you to tell you what we thought of it. Alright, some more Easter egg. arrow falls there he'll lie
back, gentle listeners, after uh, watching the first episode of The Legend of Robin Hood. Now, um, <laughs> yeah, the leg end, the leg end indeed of Robin the Hood. The fag end of Robin Hood. <laughs> the bell end of Robin Hood. Uh, to explain, this is one of um, what has become one of the more obscure uh, television adaptations of Robin Hood. Originally aired on the BBC in six instalments in 1975, and uh, apparently via some internet research, was fondly remembered by people who saw it at the time. And according to the website www.robinhood.org.uk Who have now taken on the status of official enemies of the Startup Podcast. Indeed. Uh, I'm sure you're all lovely people, but right now I have only hatred in my heart. But anyway, um, there's fans there, a uh, chap called Peter Watson, who I imagine is a chap who runs the website and uh, contributors to it. Uh, basically... Uh, wrote to the BBC and organised an online petition uh, to have the series released on DVD, uh, which happened in 2011. So, you know, we all have uh, all TV shows that we have a certain liking for, and I can certainly understand how people would like that. So, they did it, and it's aired. Now, the reason why, um, I mean, I've never heard of this particular adaptation of what we had, to be perfectly honest. The reason why um, I was actually excited to see it, having been alerted to its presence by the aforelistened-to friend of the podcast, Phil, who right now is not a friend of the podcast. No. Um, As that's within his silent member status. What have we got to say for yourself, Phil? I thought thought as much. It's because one of the lead roles, as in the Sheriff of Nottingham, basically the nemesis of Robin Hood in many versions, is played by Paul Darrow. Paul Darrow with his unique performance style, and it is a unique performance style, is best known as Kerr Avon in Blake 7. And he's always entertaining in things he's in. Um, He's a better actor, I think, than he's given credit for. He's one of those actors who basically just has one shtick, and he does the same shtick over and over. But you know what? It's an entertaining shtick. And he does it well. And he does it really well. So we're looking forward to that. And we had some excitement as well with the... With the DVD packaging because it's in German. It's the uh, uh, yeah, do you want to try some of that German there? Uh, okay, I apologise in advance. Mine's is probably very, very bad. It's actually no, I think it's actually Dutch. It's not. Uh, oh, oh dear. Um, uh, oh, oh dear. <laughs> I now feel very un-European. I've been yeah, unable to. That explains why the subtitles were in Dutch then. <laughs> okay, I've now started with two nations. As in Lantern, Pui, Vank, and in Iverade, Herse, Stad, Rug, and Lat, and I can't really do it. And yeah, I like uh, the Dutch because he gave us the actor of Mad Mads Mikkelsen, didn't he? He's from Dutchland. Uh, they did. Uh, well, in all fairness, if you're thinking about the Dutch and what they've done for uh, Scotland, there's other there's other go-to choices before that. <laughs> but we'll not talk about this on a podcast because, well, basically, just type in Holland and Glasgow uh, into Google, and you'll find your way to tales of history. That's one of our listeners doing it right now, and. Uh, Basically, uh, Glasgow's a lovely sectarian divide, but let's not go there. Let's not go uh, there. Anyway, so we thought, amazing, this, yeah. this is going to be good. And <laughs> Well, now, to explain, the, the first episode is uh, a running time of 52 minutes, and 10 minutes in, an emergency dash was made to the fridge, where um, I got, uh, now this is from the co-op, uh, Gold Miner. Uh, which is a co-op uh, brewed ale. It's not too bad, it's not. I wouldn't say it's fantastic, but it's okay. 
What I quite like about the label is that it's got Grail on it. I think that's quite cool, actually. Um, and it, well, it should be there, you know? you know? Because, you know, I don't really eat particularly well and don't look after myself, so I probably will go blind at some point. So the fact that Ale is now available that I'll be able yeah. to read is quite good. And I, I opted for the Bumblebee Honey Ale, which is uh, basically uh, fair trade Bumblebee Honey Ale. Mm. It's like disappointing that it's fair trade. Uh, what does it go well with? Apparently mine goes well with, is a, it's apparently an absolute must for chicken and pasta. What a fresh Caesar salad. Where it's the gold miner, it's perfect with dishes such as Thai noodles or stir-fried chicken with basil. But if you don't know basil, I'm not quite sure what your turn-up choices are. Oh, I slapped my, <laughs> my, my knee, actually, right on my thigh. So, anyway, as you can tell, the fact that we've now quickly been on to our choice of beverage will give you an idea of the level of joy we managed to uh, get from this, which... I'm not going to lie to you, wasn't, it wasn't that there wasn't any joy, it was just slim fucking pickings. Now, we're not comparing it to modern television, because that's unfair, and as you may have gathered from previous episodes, we quite like vintage TV, yes. and are able to join its own merits. Um, but we're, we're just comparing it to, well, BBC The Time making things like Clavis, <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, and I think it shows based on what budget they had for uh, The Legend of Robin Hood. It's one of those productions where they've, they filmed it somewhere in England, uh, and it's a typical summer's day probably, which means it will show up as overcast. Now, the thing about film and television, uh, even now with um, uh, digital technology as opposed to shooting on film or old-fashioned video, is that um, to you and I walking around, it can seem like a nice bright summer's day, but it can often show up as much darker on screen than was the intention. That's why sometimes you watch behind-the-scenes footage or something, you'll see massive lighting rigs, even when there's a blue sky and blazing sunshine. They clearly didn't have the money for this, so Robin Hood takes place in an extremely murky, dimly lit world, with it's inside and outside. Now, there are some positive aspects to it. It is a production uh, which tries to... I don't know if realistic is the right way to put it, but it's not your slapping thighs and brightly coloured and sort of Edel Flynn type Robin Hood. It's more down to earth and, well, I hate to use the word gritty, but I think that's what it's trying Authentic. To Authentic, yeah. That's a better word. Authentic. Uh, it does have the A-model general chap from the Doctor Who serial, the ambassadors of death, the one that banged on about things being his model duty all the time. Yeah. Was it General, General Carrington? Was it, was that yeah, I think so. Yeah. John Abenedi is the actor. He plays uh, Sir Kenneth Nestor, who's a, a Saxon noble. Yes. He's good. Yes. Uh, Some good baldness denial. Yes, very good baldness denial. Uh, and you have Paul Darrow, is fantastic. However, he's literally on screen, I think, for about three minutes all in. Yeah, because... Uh, Clearly, you've still got uh, Richard the King there, and he will leave at some point, and Paul Darrow, who's playing Sheriff of Nottingham, we'll at some point up. in the serial will step up and be the so, main villain. So he's mainly been introduced to playing a game of chess with Fenwick from the Doctor Who serial with the Curse of Fenwick. And uh, hanging about with uh, Bruce Willoughby from uh, the House of Cards uh, trilogy. Yeah, and done a bit of uh, threatening with a knife. So he's fine when he's on screen. The, the chap playing the king. Richard, uh, Richard is fantastic. He was Ollie in Brookside, who... Uh, for people of my age or thereabouts may remember that was he was the dad of the brother and sister who decided to have sex with each other in one of the soap operas more shocking story lines. Indeed. Indeed, indeed. And um, he's brilliant because he's he plays it slightly arch, slightly camp, and like he would be if you're king, which is I can be a dick to everybody because I'm king. I'm the absolute authority in this land. Unfortunately, unfortunately, the series is not about either the king or the sheriff of Nottingham. It's about Robin. Now, you, 
I think it's probably fairly damning. We've been nattering for this for probably about three or four minutes now, and we've not really said anything about the title character of the show. <laughs> now, I think we. I don't think we've ever mentioned it except in brief asides in the podcast. But you may remember that after Doctor Who came back, before uh, Merlin became a success, the BBC decided to uh, bring back Robin Hood. Well, that was kind of simultaneous with Doctor Who coming. Yeah, well, yeah. Doctor Who was yeah. kind of first, but but, but there was, was in development. There was that sort. Of, it was in the water, basically. Yeah. yeah. And well, we managed to watch an episode of it, and at that point, had uh, wrote it off as the absolute worst Robin Hood we'd seen. Yep. I'd like to apologise now. I'd to like to apologise. I'd, like, I'd like to really apologise to the actor and that uh, that person. Jonas. Uh, yeah, yeah, because this guy. What's his name? What's his name? Martin Potter. Martin Potter. Um, I'm sure Martin is or was a lovely chap. I'm sure he did many sterling things. And this wasn't one of them. No. Uh, and to be fair, he's not really. I think even if he put a, a, a stronger dramatic actor in there, he's the character that's written is so wooden. Yeah. There is, however, a splendid moment where Robin is chilling about outside and suddenly in the bushes this random old woman appears and goes, ha ha ha, you're an after Robin Hood. You're after, you're after Robin. You're after Maid Marion. I used to be beautiful. Look at me. And then she just buggers off back to the bush again. Never but, to be seen again. But she tells him, you do you fear death. And he goes, but don't, don't fear death. Well, don't really think about this. Ah, but you will not die, <laughs> saved by the hands of a woman. Dramatic pause, turns saved out. Saved by the hand, you will not die, saved by the hands of a woman. And at that point, if I was Robin Hood, I'd have stabbed that bitch just to make sure she wasn't <laughs> the one who was going to kill me. Also, her appearance and disappearance is so random and not set up or referenced afterwards, it's basically a Monty Python sketch. Do you not just think it looked like the Ranny had wandered off from, I, from the time of the Ranny? It, it, it could actually be the aged Ranny. Um... Thinking, I'll just fuck back into yeah, it. Well, no, because remember, at the end of the Doctor Serial, the Mark of the Ranny, previously reviewed on this very podcast, you, you last year in the TARDIS where there's a time distortion yeah. going on and dinosaurs are growing. So maybe there's a bit where she got horribly aged or whatever, went back to Robin Hood times, eventually gets better so she can appear in the classic adventure, Time of the Ranny, yeah. and of course, Dimensions in Time. Uh, in all fairness, and this is a horribly cheap gag, but. Uh, from horribly aged to looking better, Kate Amara was someone who did not dress or look her age even back then. Oh. Um, uh, which is why Lesser. I loved her when Lesser. she was with Ailey, because it, again, he was exactly the same. He's, he was about 30 years older than he was letting on. Yeah, so, so, so you have that scene of joy. There is a good, there's a good scene with the dickish king who uh, meets Robin Hood and says, Take off your tunic, turn around. Kneel down, stand, stand up. up. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. He is, in all fairness, inspecting him for a birthmark, not anything else. No, 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 the, the, there's nothing. Uh, but it's, it's about a life. Yes, it's, it's about a life. He's yeah. the, he is the, the standard character in this because Paul Darrow, I suspect, will be, but isn't in it enough. And unfortunately, Pr- Prince John is in it. Now, as we all know, Prince John is the usurper to Richard's throne, mm-hmm. uh, and is all. And despite basically, supposedly being the main bad guy, never is in any good Robin Hood story. It's always the sheriff. Yeah. Prince John's usually a feckless idiot. Indeed. And Prince John is played by a, an actor who I have always, always hated. <laughs> he is the shit Ford Prefect. He is the BBC TV Ford Prefect. No. The shit one. Now, we've, we've, we've had this conversation before, but not on the podcast. Where, yeah. where, no, let me explain, let me explain. 
as everyone with in their right minds would realise, the best version of Hitchhikers is the radio serial. The original. Not and really. I like I like radio I like radio for Prefect. I think it's very good. I do prefer TV for Prefect. I just I just I just I just prefer Jeffrey no, McGivern. No, I, no, I like the radio version. The radio version is fine. He's he's great. It's not one. But I like. I just when when I read the books and I do because I do still read the Hitchhiker roughly once a year. Um, it's just one of those things I do. And when I read this dialogue, I hear the guy from the telly doing it, not the radio guy. No. I'll be killed again. I've gone back onto the patio. Exactly. It was my, a nice my my triumphant return was like Paul McGann. I appeared for one episode, <laughs> <laughs> never to be seen again. But um, yes, so um, that, that's it. There are five more episodes which I'm not going to watch, except one day I will by using the fast forward button to any and, bit with the kind of Paul McGann and uh, potato juice, potato juice, which we're going to have later on, but not right now. Um, so um, is it worth tracking down? Fuck no, no. Uh, uh, if you're really curious about it, uh, our aforementioned friends at uh, robinhood.org.uk uh, if you go on our website you'll find out uh, a fair bit of information about the series you'll find a full uh, synopsis uh, you'll find a link to uh, where you could buy the DVD don't follow it don't follow um, it not links in it that bring joy uh, so, so if by some strange chance you've listened to this and you think ha huh, I'm going to get me some of that shit um, that's where you can find out more and um, yes yeah, so, so I think we don't want to end on a downer no, so um, I'm going to shut up for a bit and give Andy a chance to talk to you on his own uh, about a book. It's indeed, it's a book, and it was a gift uh, from my esteemed, no longer dead, buried under the patio comrade, Mr. Burns, uh, from World Book Night 2013, which is a, a charitable uh, affair whereby uh, books are made available at libraries and some bookshops, uh, free, yep. to basically to, to encourage literacy, which is never a bad thing no it, it's, it's a good thing I mean just to speak briefly before Annie tells you about the actual book um, I am a big fan of uh, libraries and I've actually got more into libraries since I moved to Edinburgh three and a half years ago because Edinburgh Library Network is fantastic and I am fortunate in my job and I do travel all across Edinburgh five days a week so I'm often passing by libraries on the break or an odd minute here and there and I get to and they're good for graphic novels and they're, they're great because I think those of us who are there sort of thing, sometimes fall into the trap or whatever of always, you know, buying graphic novels and buying books and stuff like that. But there's these great things called libraries, right? And you give away reading for free and they'll even order stuff for you. And they're great. So always use them. So uh, this is not something I'd heard about I World Book Night before, but I was in Wester Hills, a part of Edinburgh, uh, which, which traditionally is um, an area that's maybe not had full develop into it. Um, so he says, it's not necessarily poor, but the bits of it are a bit run down and it's, it's needing a bit of regeneration. But they do have an utterly fantastic library and they're great for um, lots of outer print to the any day and just dread books in particular. So I was going by and um, they had they had a poster up in the window for the book Annie's going to tell you about. So what a book night, there were 20 books available and if a library or a bookshop was participating, uh, they either had a selection or they had one. And the one, uh, and the one book they had, and the staff were really good. I said, "Can I pick up a few of them to give away to people?" And they said, "That was fine." So that was fantastic. Um, so I'm going to now shut up. What I'm going to do, and Andy will tell you about the book we got. Yeah. So basically, what I'm going to do is actually read the, the list of world book uh, night books that are available. 
the Secret Scripture by Sebastian Barry, uh, Knots and Crosses by Mallory Blackman, The Girl with the Pure Pearl Earring by Tracy Chevalier, The Air Affair by Jasper Ford, Casino Royale by Ian Fleming, The White Queen by Philippa Gregory, A Little History of the Road by E.H. Gombrich, Little Face by Sophie Hanna, Damage by Josephine Hart, The Island by Victoria Hislop, Red Dust Road by Jackie Kay, Last Night Another Soldier by Andy McMahon, Me Before You by Jojo Moyes, uh, The Knife of Never Letting Go by Patrick Ness, Reader by Bernard Schlink, The Number One Ladies Detective Agency by Alexander McCall Smith, Treasure Island by Robert Louis Stevenson, The Road Home by Rose Tremaine, Why Be Happy When You Could Be Normal by Jeanette Winterson, and the book I'm discussing, which is Judge Dredd, The Dark Judges by John Wagner. Uh, so, quite a, quite a wide range. I've heard of some of the books, not all of them. So, obviously, catering to a wide range, which is yep. encouraged. And it's great to see a graphic novel being put in there. Yes. And uh, Now, I'd heard about this before, just through... I follow uh, the 2008's PR, or Rebellion's PR uh, chat, Michael Mulcher, on Twitter. And he also mm-hmm. does the 2008 Twitter feed as well. Uh, so I was aware of this, but obviously couldn't get to a library due to working hours. So it was great that Ralph mentioned it. Now, this is a special reprint of the Judge Death sort of paperback novel size collection that 2008 have just been coming out with recently. And I usually retail for uh, 6.99. Yeah. So to get free is, you know, is right. a, yeah. <laughs> and so it's got a slightly different cover. So instead of it being all black, it's got white with world. Uh, obviously, I'm assuming this is a unifying dress. There'll be in all the editions, which is white with World Book Night 2013 with the original cover as an insert on the back. It's green with the synopsis that's on the back of the book and information which basically just tells you that this book is a gift. It's been given by one of 20,000 passionate volunteers as part of World Book Night 2013 on April 23rd to celebrate books and spread the joy of love and reading. Joy and love of reading. You can keep it or pass it on as a gift to someone else. There are no strings, but please do try it. It's an amazing book and we think you're going to love it. I would agree. Now, what this book, and it has a little stamp in, so it tells you where it was collected from, which is Wester Hills Library, and I encourage you to give some feedback either through the internet, email, Facebook, Twitter, or even through a text message. And kind of talks about it, talks about World Book Night, and basically encourages you to find reading groups, local libraries, or even bookshops. Yeah. So it's obviously saying, look, if you like this, here's ways to get it. Again, yeah. if you don't have a lot of the large disposable income, as Ralph says, library. Go use them. Take advantage of it. Yeah, I mean, what's great with libraries, uh, I mean, just with reference to graphic novels, because it's relevant to this, is I um, don't have the space I used to have, and I've had to actually replace a lot of comics with digital editions or get rid of them. And one of the things... Uh, but there's still lots of stuff that I like to read, and you get them in the library, you read them, you can get them again. So, and, you know, so it, it, it helps with space. And it's, you know, it's good. And I, I like to do this because it might encourage people... Because I know, I've known plenty of people who, you know, fall into way using libraries or forget the libraries there or don't go and use it or think, oh, it's, it's only old books, it's nothing new, it interests me. So I like the idea, you see the post on the window, you go in, you get a free book and you go, oh, that was a decent library and you get used to going back into it again. So this collects uh, three stories from uh, 2008 uh, featuring Judge Dredd and the Dark Judges. It contains Judge Death. Judge Death Lives, and the Judge Anderson uh, sequel to it, which was done later on, and as well as reprints of all the covers and some of the pinups, and a little trailer at the back for something else, which we'll come to a little bit later. So it's written by John Wagner and Alan Grant, uh, who were the co-writers of Dread at the time for all of this material and for Anderson. The art uh, is for the first two stories is by Brian Bond. The second story, uh, the uh, Anderson story, has Brett Ewins, Cliff Robinson and Robin Smith. And the Bond stuff 
I can't speak highly enough. I I think in terms of just the just sheer beauty of his his line work uh, is fantastic. Not my favourite artist because of, of obviously Jeff Senior exists. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. <laughs> it's the only yeah. reason why. Uh, and I counter Transformers first. But in terms of just the absolute sort of quality of the brushwork, just uh, I don't think anyone beats him for clean work. Especially when you consider this was weekly. Yes, now, the thing is, uh, he won't, did take a long time to do it, so mm-hmm. basically the Judge Death storyline's only, th- I think, three parts for the initial one, and the Judge Death one is about five parts long, and it took forever for him to do, so they waited for him to do yeah. it. Uh, but basically, for those that don't know, Judge Dredd, well, there was a very unsuccessful movie last year, sadly. There have been, uh, yeah, there have been two movies for Judge Dredd. Yeah, but Judge and Dredd. Two BBC Radio Productions as well. Yes, and Big Finish Audio. Big Finish as well. Audio, so, yep. Basically, it's a, it's a science fiction satire, and it is a satire, and that's the thing that I think the movie's possibly lost and is big, the biggest misstep. Basically, a dystopian future, uh, judge, jury, and executioner. The judges are basically, instead of there being any judiciary, they're the ones that sent you. They'll catch you, and you'll either go to the ice cubes. Uh, get you get killed. Mm-hmm. If you can't judge dread, what time you get killed? Sure. So this one uh, kicks off with uh, some chap leaving a, a, a nightclub in Mega City One, uh, and he sees up the silhouette of a judge, or what he thinks is a judge, and it is. It is Judge Death who reaches his hand into the guy and kills him. Yeah. Uh, and says, "My name is Death. I've come to judge you." And basically the, the judges find the guy and he's basically been terrified to death. Mm-hmm. And there's no mark on him. And basically uh, the, the samples of skin that they find are like hundreds of years old. It's decayed flesh. So the judge death creature goes to a, a, where a nightclub is and everyone's sort of assembled and starts killing people. Mm-hmm. And Judge Dredd appears and at the end of the first part basically it's rapid fire blows bones away. Mm-hmm. So they shoot Judge Death down then he just gets up Dear. And, and tells us all that you cannot kill what does not live. Which is a fair point. Yeah. yeah. And uh, which will become a catchphrase as <laughs> time goes on. Uh, and basically, Dredd's shooting him and bullets aren't working, so he just switches to incendiary and burns the. Mm. And basically, uh, smoke rises from the, the burning body, but it's not smoke. It's the spirit of Judge Death. Basically, basically tells them that they're lawbreakers and you delayed me. Uh, this is all this, this city is evil and he'll cleanse it and buggers off now the whole point about this is Judge Death is the dark mirror of Judge Dredd basically it takes the principle of uh, the way the judges enforce law to its logical end and most absurd end point which is to stop crime all life is a crime kill everybody there's no crime and so this then they're examining the dead body and we get the appearance of one of the Longest surviving uh, and most prominent female characters in Judge Dredd, mm-hmm. uh, Judge Cassandra Anderson, based on Debbie Harry of yep. Blondie. Uh, and she's a telepath. And you'll recognise her in the film, although she's slightly different here in that she's not a rookie, she's an established judge, and she will stand toe to toe with Dredd. Yeah. And she will banter with him and not take any of his fish. Indeed. And he basically has not a huge amount of tolerance for her because. She doesn't act like a judge the way he does. Mm-hmm. And she basically gets re- takes a reading off the chat and finds out that what death is and starts basically saying it's from a, he's from another dimension. 
So they're basically stuck just waiting for death to resurface because he's just hot air. She goes back to her apartment and Judge Death appears and possesses her. Ooh, shit. Death then basically gets her to get his dead body or his, his skeleton and take it away. And she batters seven bells out of some of the doctors in the, hosp- the, the sort of med wing it's in and starts taking it away. But she's trying to fight him all the way and she's broadcasting or using her psychic ability. Uh, boing is the only word she's saying. And Dredd gets, gets from the judge, the side division of uh, the Mega City One Judiciary and goes, I know what it is. And she goes to confront, uh, or sorry, he goes to confront Anderson. She starts getting ready to, to batter him because she's still possessed by death. And she momentarily gets the upper hand on death. And Dredd then encases her in Boing, which is this myth- mythical, uh, miracle, bouncy plastic spray. Mm-hmm. And she's basically sealed in at this point, never to be freed again. Dear. And basically, it's she gets into the black the hall of heroes with a supreme sacrifice badge and Judge Anderson, a monster dwells within her. So not like, this was three parts. This was three weeks, and as you can imagine, was an absolute smash. Yes. So instant, almost instantly, as John Wagner said, the plans were made to bring him bring him back, but they were waiting for Bob to do the art, so it took yeah. about a year and a half, I think. Yeah. Well, they just wrote other stories and, and um, yeah. left a left a slot for it to be so. Yeah, that's in. right. So they worked around, they worked around a slower yeah. artist. I wonder if modern publishers oh, can take a fucking hint You mean that. just write other stories and you know what the story with the slow artist is going to be so you can still tie it in so the reader probably wouldn't even realise yeah. they've done a sequence. It's a novel idea. That's an amazing idea. But then that harkens back to when comics had to come out, well, a regular schedule. Me? <sighs> Stupid idea. Never so anyway... anyway. Judge Death lives, kicks off uh, with a museum tour. And they're in the Hall of Heroes where Anderson's body is. And she's obviously been there for uh, an indeterminate amount of time. Or actually a year and a half. Because 2000 AD and Judge Dredd, particularly with Judge Dredd, it happens in a, in a year of comics is a year in Judge Dredd's world. Yeah. Always. So someone basically uh, breaks, hides in the museum after the tour's gone away. And using a last cutter, opens up Anderson's boy. Uh, Boing casing freeing Judge Death. Death hops on board the, the, the poor chump that's doing that and he escapes. And it turns out that the chap that was doing it was forced to do it because they had his wife hostage and these shadowy people said that they would spare her life, spare her if he did what he said and he gets home to find her dead. And they tell her, we lied. And it's the creepy looking monster fuckers. Now you've got a sheep's, a big shambling zombie type judge with a sheep skull for a face. Mm-hmm. You've got a traditional human skeleton always that's constantly on fire. Mm-hmm. And you can see that his badge says fire. Which is helpful. Yeah, because yeah. he's the only one you can really identify. The other one is, the, the sheep skull face one is Judge Mortis. Mm-hmm. And the other one with basically man trap, shoulder pads and a big knight's uh, sort of helmet with big bat wings is Judge Fear. These are the what the dark judges are. Mm. So these are dread, uh, death's cohorts. And basically, Mortis decays the body, and they then treat it with the special dead fluids, and Judge Death is now reborn. Uh, now, what at this point is, they've actually brought along a shield generator type device, and they encase themselves in the block that they're in and stop the judges getting in. And their plan, obviously, is to systematically go from block to block, killing all life. Fair enough. It's a good plan. Yeah. Dread obviously stuck out and can't get in. 
and you basically get to see all the all the party pieces from all the dark judges. And Mortis, as we already know, brings decay. Uh, Judge Fire. Brings if fire. I have to explain it, there's something wrong. Judge Fear basically opens uh, opens the faceplate of his helmet, and people are terrified to death. This is very important because we're going to come back to this later. And what we what all right thinking people know as the greatest single panel in comic book history. Indeed. Uh, so all the people are trying to escape from the block, but the shield's up, so they keep going into it and they're burning to death. And Dread's kind of, they're all going, uh, there's like, there's terrible carnage, Dread, must be 50 dead on the shield and they keep, they keep coming. 50, don't talk to me about 50, oh Ben, it's the other 70,000 in that block I'm worried about. That's a cliffhanger. Then you get basically the nice, the intro to the next page is a, a double page spread from 2008. It's a nice poster where yep. all, the, all the four dark judges are doing their thing with a lot of dead bodies kicking about. The sentence is death. Oh, you, you missed a bit. Oh, sorry. The, the city is guilty. Oh, the the crime is... Sorry, hang on. There's two S's. Hang on, do This city is guilty. The crime is life. The sentence is death. Okay. Thank you. A complete failure of comic book pronunciation. Uh, I do apologise. So basically, they're stalking through the block, killing everybody, and Anderson appears on the scene now. Uh, she's she's obviously now alive. Yep. Despite having been encased in plastic form and having a uh, an alien superfeed possessor, but you know she what? Got, she got this better. is comic. She got better. Yeah. <laughs> Ignore it. Move on. But she's apparently learned some some tricks from from death while she while he's been in there. So with her help, uh, Dread and her breach the shield. But Death knows about it, so there's a bit of a link between the two of them already. Mm. So, basically what happens is, the, the Dark Judges are now faced with a threat. So they do what they all do is, which is, they split up. It's like they've read the John John's uh, Silver Age Martian Manhunter playbook. It would seem so. Yeah, so basically, uh, Judge Fear goes to guard the shield, Judge Fire goes to deal with the intruders, Judge Death says he's going to state continued ju- uh, judgement, Morris says fuck off. Lazy bastard. Something I don't know what he's doing at that point. Just uh, looking shifty. He's, he's thinking deeply. So basically, uh, Dredd tries to use Boing on him, on Judge Fire, who's the first encounter, but obviously that doesn't really work, because he's big explodey. Fire, and the aerosol sort of boom, boom. So he basically just shoots a big concrete walkway on top of the fucker. And they're working their way towards the shield. Uh, then it's Judge Fear. He chucks a man trap at Judge Anderson, which gets her ankle, and he just jumps at Dredd and goes, gaze in the face of fear. And then it's, for a moment, the icy chill of terror courses down Dread's spine. The shock of the gaze can kill an ordinary man. And this is the panel of joy. But Dread is a judge, and judges are not ordinary men. And he basically punches through, the, through Fear's helmet and goes, Gaze into, into the, the fist, fist of Dread! It's the fist of Dread? No! What I was having like a rebirth thing. Mm. Yeah. And, but it is. All, yes. all people who have read comics should acknowledge You'll it. have seen this panel. It is the best. And basically, Anderson then shoots an incendiary on Judge Fear and burns him up, so destroying his body. And they take out the shield generator, so all of the judges come in with all their uh, H-wagons and Manta Prowl tanks and start kicking ass, trying to destroy them. And the Dark Judges retreat to Dead World, where they come from, using Dimension Jump Globes. I wish I had a Dimension Jump Globe. Not to Dead World, though. Not a dead one, but just in general. Yeah, yeah. Like like those times you don't have enough money in Asda for your shop and you have to put something back. If I had a dimension job, probably go back and steal it. Not steal it, but just 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 go to another dimension where I can get extra money to come back with. 
Yeah, good recovery there. Good recovery. <laughs> oh, I don't, I don't know. I, I think your, your time being dead affected you. I, I was in Dead World. That's true. Yeah. Uh, and basically, she gets there. They get to Dead World. Dred and Anderson picking up the de- the dimension jump globe from the, the now burning corpse of Judge Fear, and she's instantly assaulted by this by the, the souls of the world because this is an entire world that has been killed by these four people, and other people as we'll, we'll soon find in about ten years' time mm-hmm. from the, when this is written. But basically, on the home turf, it's not looking good for them. Mm-hmm. The dark judges are in the ascendancy. But Anderson uh, channels the spirits of the entire world, and the judges are judged, and basically they are killed, oh. and so they leave. And this is kind of it. Now, this is one of the things about 2080 is they are quite cavalier, at, particularly in the Dread universe. Of you've established Dread as such a such a great character that villains get killed off. It's very difficult for them to survive more yes. than one or two meetings. And so otherwise, they didn't go near near him for a few for a few years. Mm. And then he actually comes back in uh, Anderson's side division where this is, they give Anderson a solo series for a while. Yeah. Uh, and basically she's haunted by dreams of death coming back. Yeah. And she's, she's constantly being told by everybody else in side division, you're talking balls, it's nonsense. You're, there's nothing there. Yeah. Uh, but she just refuses to accept and start going, starts going a little bit mental and seeing death. And it's just not there. So she absconds with a de-jump device to Dead World to basically prove, prove the theory wrong. Uh, and it turns out, no, they've tricked her, and by her coming back, it's helped bring them back to life. Oh dear. May heaven sues. And basically, yeah, so at this point, is they go back and have another, another attack on, on the judges. They actually manage to get into the Academy of, Academy of Law as well and take out a lot of... Uh, lot of judges. Anderson gets removed from duty at this point because, well, it's her fault. Ah, it's understandable why they removed from duty. But and is looking at twenty years in Titan and the, the nose filter thing. Mm. But she eventually twigs on a solution and saves the day. Hooray. It's now it's a decent enough story. It's just it doesn't look as pretty because it has Brett Ewan's art, which is good. It's not a knock at Brett Ewan's. No, love bad company, but it is just a case of. It's not Brian Bolland, is well, it? Well, no one is. No, no, it's, it's the kind of thing that... It's quite a, quite a pedigree, is like, this character's only been done by Brian Bolland. Uh, but in the end, obviously, uh, she overcomes. The Dark Judges gets, get basically lost between the dimension, dimensional void. And that's how they're kind of dealt with. Yeah. Gone away. Uh, it's... I'm not as big a fan of the Anderson story, to be honest. I like the way they brought them back. It was very good, mm. basically doing the obvious thing of, oh, but playing against it, it's like, no, it's Anderson's fault. Yeah. And just playing on, on that. No, I enjoyed it. It's, but obviously, they stayed dead for quite some time up until Necropolis yes. came back later, which was, which was better in my opinion. But I think it's just more to do with, I've always preferred Anderson more as a supporting character than her own stuff, with the exception of, I think, Satan and Shambhala. Chelsea was the end of the magazine. Was yes. Yeah. Those are probably the three, three stories where I think she's worked. Uh, and a longer one, and also it's just more the fact that the Dark Judges are the biggest enemy of Mega City 1. Dread would always be the one front and centre, no matter yeah. what. So, but it's fantastic. And you get, as I say, it's all the covers that, for the stories that were in 2000 AD, and some of the pin-ups, and yeah. random other little bits. And you also get a preview of, uh, you get an advert for the Cursed Earth Saga, which is the other sort of digest size that's out at the moment. Mm-hmm. There's also the Judge Child. Yeah, yes. 
But you also get a recommendation. So John Wagner was uh, asked, the author, one of the authors of this, was asked to recommend the book from Wilson Thought You Might Enjoy Next. And he picks The Complete Robusters by Pat Mills, Kev O'Neill, Carlos Pino and Dave Gibbons. And you get an, in- an extract from uh, the Terramex, which is with Metquake and all the chaps kicking, it, kicking seven bells out of Brighton. Big jobs. Big jobs indeed. Mm. You, you get Metquake, yep. Toronto Mech, yep. Fantastic, and King Conquer. Yes. And unnamed chap at the back. Unnamed chap at the back, yeah. And so it's a case of... I've read bits of Rollbusters and large chunks of it, but not all, all of it. I did used to have the complete Rollbusters, but unfortunately it got turned to gloop in a garage between house moves. Uh, so it needs to be uh, reacquired or got from the library again, yeah. actually. So, it's a fantastic book. I have the Dark Judges story, I think, in about two or three different formats, actually. Just yes. Because it's one of the, it's one of the high points of 2018. It's one of the high points of Judge Dredd. And it's Brian Ball and Dark. There's nowhere near enough of it. No. And it's black and white, and it's bloody gorgeous. Indeed. But talking of gorgeous, it's time for us to, to leave, because we are gorgeous and have other things to do. That's true, it's Saturday night. <laughs> oh, hey, party, party. Yay. We'll be, I think we're so glad I'm not talking right now talk, after talk, that. Talking about Saturday, Saturday night. Um, uh, well, I have to take a moment, actually, to uh, mention the passing of one half of Chris Cross. Yes. Uh, who, who did a tune which I helped him hear on a Saturday night. It's true, Mac Daddy. Mac Daddy make you jump, jump. Unfortunately, Mac Daddy himself has left us at yeah. the age of 34, which is my age. Uh, and unfortunately, my dog's overdose, so um, that is unfortunate. But yeah. um, I have listened to Jump Jump, and there you go. So go on YouTube or buy it off iTunes. Yeah, buy it off iTunes. Yeah. Uh, so we're going to take our leave of you we'll be back in two spatial weeks actually probably depending on when this one drops we'll either have you'll already have heard Ralph's sensational return from the grave by uh, through the Eurovision special or possibly just after because as we record this we're about a fortnight away from Eurovision cannot effing wait on Eurovision unironically yeah I've always loved Eurovision I like pop music and I like daftness and I like a bit of campery yep. in my pop music. And some, and I also like cynical bitching from people on commentary. And I also enjoy all the racist politics of the judging rounds. It's true. <laughs> it's a beautiful thing. Well, we're, we're going to go. Goodbye. Farewell. Who are you? My name is Robin Hood. Robin Hood? <laughs> Would you do something to you? Yes. Would you run to the village and wait for a very big man and a pretty lady? They should be coming soon. What shall I tell them? Tell them. Just tell them. About you, sir. Yes. You wait here. Don't go away, will you? No, I shan't go away. I will tell them. I'll tell them about Robin Hood. Where this arrow falls. There he'll lie.